0: This is the Strength Beyond Fitness Podcast,
1: a Build Body Fitness production brought to you by Coach Louise
0: and Coach Renee, where we talk about simple principles to train your mind, transform your body, and maybe even change your life. Welcome, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. You guys, this is going to be a very unfiltered episode. Um, not in that I'm just gonna be dropping you know potty words left and right, but just more of you know we don't have any. I want to leave it open, open for discussion. There's a topic that's been pretty heavy on my mind, and you know I call myself the MILF, the mama into lifting and fitness, but it's it's something we need to talk about more. It's becoming more and more discussed but it's still it's still in the back of people's minds and we're gonna talk about the bs that is postpartum fitness um y'all this is going to be a soapbox of an episode
1: (laughs) yeah no i think this is awesome especially so like one thing we want to let you guys know is like none of our none of our episodes are scripted but we always come in with an idea with some notes which i if i look at notes i totally forget what whoever's talking is saying so i don't use notes but renee does but, no, yeah, today we just want to be able to speak, like, what we really have in our minds when it comes to this. Uh, this is – every female that, 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 has a, that has a kid goes through this, whether they are active or not active. In, in, and that means whether in, like, uh, straight-up fitness, exercise training, or just active, like, at home, active, going on walks, active in hiking, and in some other form or way. Like, postpartum recovery, there is – very, very, very little uh uh inf- information delivered to to like the people like there's very little education about it and um, I'm really happy to have a wife that's educated me in, in it because I would have I don't know I would have had zero idea of what she has gone through between her two kids our t- well our two kids but her two um, pregnancies.
0: Yep, I have been uh very blessed. I've been able to have two adorable but chaotic children both via C-section and they were very different experiences. I would say the first one I went to it, not really knowing what to expect. And the second time I was a a lot more educated. And I remember after having my first C-section, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but you know, I was in the hospital the full, I think five days, five days max that insurance would cover came home, and instantly was in the, I'm an independent woman, I need to do everything myself, and decided to vacuum the house, and to try to move a dresser, and hopefully you are cringing right now, I really hope you are, because those are very big no-nos, of, you know, this almost having to, like, prove of, I'm still strong, I'm still capable, and I didn't let myself recover, and I definitely pushed things way more than I should have, and Part of it was just based off a situation. Another part was not really knowing, and then having that pressure of like you have to get skinny fast, not strong. You have to get skinny. Well,
1: you, you're going one like you're going through a period where there's a huge hormonal shift in your body. It went from creating life to now uh, that life is not there no more. But you got to create. You have nur- to sustain you it. You have to sustain it. You have to create nourishments for it. Not only that, you're having a fluctuation of almost. Uh, uh, all the also fluctuation of basically all the medication you took as well because you did have a C-section, uh, and then on top of that, something that I had no idea really was a thing that this is how like oblivious really guys are. It was postpartum depression. I had never really heard about that. Like I, you had mentioned it a little bit while you're while while you're pregnant uh, with Malia. Um, I wasn't there for your first pregnancy. Most people, if, if you guys don't know, Renee and I got married uh, after she already had. Uh, he's my car-
0: second husband i love <laughs> weddings so much i just keep doing them but what
1: do, what do we the last podcast what do we call carter the the, <laughs>
0: the five-year-old the five <laughs> so i mean it, it's a funny it's a funny situation um, because you know his, his dad is in the picture and luckily we're able to create this kind of parental unit team yeah. but Luis really stepped into we call him the bonus dad uh What's but up. the stepdad role and you know there was stuff that he didn't get to experience kind of from first hand partially because like i honestly didn't remember a ton of things from my first pregnancy just due to that depression being so bad but experiencing it versus me just telling you they were different experiences yeah
1: and i I, like you said i didn't know that was a thing like i didn't know postpartum depression was like uh, a a high i would say an issue because it's so common like at first it's like oh okay postpartum depression i get it and then you know, we meet someone else and we start to learn about it and, th- you know, they're, they're pretty open about it and saying that they have postpartum depression. Then we meet someone else and you, we, you start seeing signs that they do have it, but they're not vocal about it. And then we we'll just start seeing patterns of like all these people that we know that have had kids and that you know them prior to them being pregnant and they just seem great. And, you know, they, they have the baby and immediately this fluctuation of hormones, the way it affects them emotionally to me was mind-blowing like i don't i and i'm such a logical person like you know get over it suck it up like you can like why are you depressed you just had a baby and no that has nothing to do with it like i am beyond mind blown about about it it's a huge topic i think every guy needs to become extremely aware of
0: extremely aware and it's hard so because there's so I'm many factors i'm gonna push for these for
1: guys to watch to listen to this podcast and if you are that. a female listening to this like send this to all your guy friends if you are a a mom listening to this like have your husband listen to this uh, this this episode if you are in a relationship considering to have kids whether you're married or not like have your significant other your husband whatever listen to this podcast conversation because it needs to be addressed
0: and i want to extend it out to the aunties and the uncles so if you know me we love the aunties we love the tias we love the uncles like you guys are also a very important part of the family and having that support is huge and i will say like your sister has been beyond supportive in more ways than she even knows like she is just my my kids are very lucky to have have family that just loves the hay out of them um but kind of going back to the depression aspect, because there's so many things that contribute to it. And I still feel like there's so much more to learn of, you know, the hormones are a factor. It's maybe you have to go through kind of grieving what the birth experience was, especially if you went into a one idea and then it shifted into something else out of your control, even just a change in, you know, your expectations overall, because, you know, going into being a mom, like, you know, sometimes conceiving is, you know, one stressor and then you have this idea of how you're going to be during pregnancy and it might go according to plan. It might not. And even as a mom now, I've had to kind of let go of a lot of these, like I'm going to be, you know, this type of mom and my children are never going to watch things on the screen. And, you know, it's, you have to almost let yourself kind of grieve certain things, but knowing that you're not alone in the situation and you know Louis touched upon it earlier he's a very logical person a very logical person and it's something that i appreciate because sometimes i get so stuck in my emotions like i need someone to pull me out but i know that was also hard for you because you're like shoot i don't i don't even know how to support you like what is what is happening you're crying for no reason
1: <laughs> yeah no and i it wasn't just crying like there's more to it. There's the way like, you, that you would shut down, the way that like you begin to process things, the fears that you begin to have have at night, the um, th- all all the uh, anxiety coming in as well, being anxious uh, because all you all all you only the only thing you care about is is keeping this baby basically alive and showing it that like there's love to, for it. like these are its first hours, days, uh, weeks, and years of life, and you're giving your all. Um, and yeah, no, I had no idea. Like I, if you would have warned me, I think like our marriage would have been very, very difficult during that time, which, okay. First of all, just to say one, yes, we're not, we're this, everything we're going to share is based by experience and awareness. Um, I really believe like awareness is a strength. So once again, going, going back to like strength beyond fitness, like we got to build some form of awareness to create recognition in our lives. So this is all about having an awareness of um, the postpartum mom um, and just returning back to it. Like we've heard a lot how a lot of marriages and whether it's marriage or not or relationships end up failing during those first few months of having a kid because part of it, it's due to that depression uh, the postpartum is due to also the recovery process that the female needs to undergo that the the, the male does not understand. So the male partner wants several things and your body just went through like a it whole trauma a, trauma, a huge trauma. And, uh, you know, as great as it is like to, you know, be like, oh, OK, like you're clear to have sex like, for a guy. That's exciting for a girl. I've learned that that's like fearful, Like it's almost like a straight up panic. And again, as a guy, like yeah, exciting. Like like this. We if we were to talk with the uh, tailor Made again, like he'd be like, yeah, that's a pillar of the foundation. But for you, it's a panic mode. It's a, it's a fear because of what you underwent.
0: And I'm uh, based off my understanding. Like, given I've been divorced once, so you know, take take my advice with a grain <laughs> of salt. But my understanding, when it comes to most relationships, when you know that disconnected point happens when you feel like it's harder to communicate typically it's due to some sort of unmet need on one side whether it's you know if we go back to the love languages of you know there's a lack of physical touch and if you're someone who needs physical touch compared to you know me as a mom who gets completely touched out after you know having been breastfeeding and attached to a pump and Like that makes things really hard. Or say if, you know, I need words of affirmation, I need that, like someone just tell me that I'm doing okay, but also expecting a little bit more because I'm being so harsh on myself. So I need you to make up for me being harsh on myself. It's, that's what I noticed was realizing like, okay, when we did feel disconnected, because there were hard points, hundred percent, there were hard points. We had to realize, okay, what is the unmet need and what's a realistic way that we can actually, actually work
1: through it. meet eye to eye understand like fulfill each other's love language because it's ultimately that like if your love language is being fulfilled, you are gonna be you're gonna feel strong together
0: and even just like you said earlier like an awareness or an acknowledgement of like i i wish i could give you this right now and you know maybe we can come to a compromise where i'll hold your hand or something like this is this is what i can lovingly give you right now and it's it's it is really hard and you know as as a mom, I'm still learning how to balance this of like caring for myself, but also feeling the, you know, this burden of I'm the emotional home of everyone. So, I mean, something I say common is like Luis is the provider of the home. He's the reason we have a roof and he works hard to protect us. Um, That happens to be the roles within our family. And then I'm, you know, I'm the one that adds in the love and the you know, that feeling of security. It's, you know, we have, we have a balance that works, but sometimes, you know, on both sides, that's a lot of pressure because like on my side, I'm feeling emotionally depleted. And then on your side, you're having to work even more to make sure you can further support us while I'm going through recovery, which I mean, you stepped up and you made it seem like it was doggone easy, but I'm sure (laughs) there are some days you're like, I really don't want to wake up at 5 a.m for a 5 a.m. session right after, you know, the baby is crying all night and maybe Renee was crying after watching some weird show while breastfeeding.
1: <laughs> no, it's definitely really hard. I mean, it, I have such an amazing clientele that I understood like, that I, 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 I made zero plans to take any time off uh, because I knew I'd still be at home. But I remember, like, within the first month there was at least like two or three sessions that i slept through and it was always the same client and you know i love elizabeth because she was so understanding because she also works in this she works with kids like that's she's in she's in a daycare center um and i felt super bad because my career like my my, my sleeping ratio to, it was like little, like I think I had only slept in ever once within like two years of like waking up that early to train people. So, um, no, it's super difficult. I, I, I mean, I, I, w- I want to hear a lot more of your side. So there's, I have the, my passionate side of things based on what I've learned, uh, friendships that I have and things that I've been able to uh, observe again, that awareness. I want to know your side. Like let's start out with the postpartum part, um, Just immediately going postpartum and what your recovery is like, what you should do versus what's expected.
0: Absolutely. And I want to preface this by saying, like, I really do like the doctor that I had who delivered Malia. I think he's phenomenal. And absolutely, I would go to him again. Um, But that being said, like. He's working within his scope of practice and his understanding. So with him as a doctor, his whole goal is how do I keep this pregnant woman safe and how do I deliver this baby safely? So he, I fully believe like he gave me the best he could and like he was a phenomenal doctor. Um, but it, it is really hard because when you think of postpartum, you know, I had a C-section. I had two checkups. And even then, there's some people that might only have one after a couple of weeks. And it's just to say, OK, you're OK to have sex. You're okie dokie like that that that's it maybe they'll let you know how much um ab separation there is but they won't talk really much about pelvic floor outside of doing all of the kegels ever and then just you know go back go back to (laughs) what you were doing
1: or even like you're you're clear to start another like have another baby like or yeah there was was a couple jokes about klc in
0: like six months um
1: yeah and then with
0: malia she was getting checkups every, every single month, which, you know, I'm not saying don't give the baby checkups like the baby needed checkups, but it just kind of further contributed to that. Like, I'm not a person anymore. And, you know, if you're a mom, you a hundred percent have faced this where, you know, you're, someone's coming up to you and they're having a conversation with your child knowing they can't talk back. So it's like, you know, she was maybe four or five, six months. And they're like, Oh my gosh, sweetie, what's your name? And it's like, she's not going to respond <laughs> back to you. Like if you want to have a conversation, can you talk towards me? Oh, sweetie, how are you sleeping? None of us are sleeping. Okay. Yeah. Like it's interesting to forget well, about the mom. The mom kind of ceases to exist. She's just an extension. Um, if you're breastfeeding, you're just a boob at some point. I felt like I was a cow. If you're not breastfeeding, I'll, then there's sl- an extra layer of guilt.
1: I'm going to slow you down. Cause there's a lot, like there's a lot of a lot. good, there is a lot. <laughs> Um, with, so there's two things I want to talk about, like the, get the, when you're cleared to leave the hospital and then the two, the two checkups that you have after, well, you had a C-section, so you get to be in the hospital a little longer. And honestly, like the comparison of a little longer from a natural birth to a C-section, like let's, a natural birth gets to go home usually the next day. Very, it had to be like some crazy, uh, birth, like natural, um, and when we say natural, like, I, I don't mean, like... you vaginal, didn't, vaginal. Yeah, vaginal. I was like, I don't mean, like, you didn't take any drugs or anything. Like, when you have vaginal birth, like, may... Okay, one day, maybe a second day in the hospital if something... there's As some long complica- as there's no complications. Yes, yeah, there's no complications. I but mean, that's, heck, but that's you it. didn't even have
0: a baby at home.
1: Yeah, but that's it. And and even that, like, even two days, like, that's... Like, they're trying to keep you there as, as short time as possible. And I think two days, it's, like, crazy. You get... There's nothing. And then, unlike you, like... You having C section, you were there a little longer, by like another two days extra or three.
0: I think we stayed two nights. No, or no, three nights. We stayed three nights.
1: Four days and three nights.
0: Four days, three nights, and I remember how absolutely mind blown you were at how quick they got me out of bed. Yeah, you were completely shocked and given. So I
1: saw, I I was there in the operation room, so that's one big factor why I was mind blown, uh, because I got to see.
0: You guys see me as probably at my worst. Yeah. Dear gosh. I mean,
1: let's talk about uh, a C section or the the, the the actual term a sir Caesarean section. Caesarean section. So
0: they cut through seven layers, not just one. They cut through seven yeah. of your like literally your core, which is essential for everything. And they just move stuff out of the side. I remember making a joke with you, which you know, you took it like a champ and I was like, just tell me if I have a cute uterus. <laughs> just tell me if I have cute organs. organs. Um, cause part of me, I was like, I'm really curious. I want to see it. Cause I'm a weirdo, but also the idea of like seeing myself like that kind of terrified me. And, you know, I, if you guys don't know this by now, I'm an anxious human. Um, and you know, prior to going into labor, um, you know, I was in a complete panic mode cause you know, we had 20 minutes, they were worried about a uterine rupture. They're like, we have to get you in right now. And you know, my nose is bleeding. I'm crying. Luis was somehow so calm and really my anchor during this time. But then, like by the time like actual birth happened, there was you know some stress with that because Malia was coughing up fluid. I believe. Yeah, she
1: was full of fluids. Like full they, of fluid. they, they, they took a good while to get fluids out of her. It was, it wasn't scary because no one was panicking, but because I didn't really understand and that was the first time I had ever seen a newborn. Which, my goodness. They're funky looking. They are so funky looking. I was like, is She's that. She's like my? a squishy potato. Well, I was like, is that my baby? Like, uh, I know. I, I ordered something cuter. And I did get something super cuter. But in the moment, anyways, just joking around <laughs> and all that stuff. In we the moment, like, I, yeah, in the moment, I just, I didn't really understand what was going on. And, you know, they had her on a little side table and they're just, they're just like uh, trying to get things out of her nose, out of her mouth, like uh, fluids. And they just say, yeah, she has a lot. She has a lot. Like, it's not like she wasn't breathing or anything, but it was. It was interesting. I was, wow.
0: I feel like you really get thrown into it. Like, it doesn't matter how many books you read, how many different people you talk to, how many Facebook groups you're a part of. Nothing really prepares you for when you hear that first cry. And then, you know, you, you get an idea of, you know, if you're in the hospital hopefully someone comes and if you do want to breastfeed that you have access to a lactation consultant and knowing how to change diapers and all of that but then initially once you get sent home it's this weird feeling of like are you sure (laughs) like are you sure i'm ready because i feel like i prepared way more to drive a car um you know you have to have a license to do all these things and yet you're just going through a
1: permit a test
0: (laughs) you're just trusting me with this child like that's it And that drive home was the slowest you've ever driven. Probably. It, you were really mindful of it. And here's yeah. another thing too, is post C-section, like you're not supposed to drive until a doctor clears you, which I did not know that the first time. Definitely broke that rule the first time. Uh, second time, luckily I didn't have to, I didn't have to drive anywhere, but it's just all of this little stuff that adds well, up. Well,
1: let's talk. Let, yeah. Sorry. Let's talk about the, cause yeah, it's all these little things kind of add up and, uh, from what my understanding is that a C-section is the only surgery that is able to do that open through seven layers of skin, a uh, body and have you in your feet on your feet by f- less than 48 hours and then admitted home. By 72 is the goal. I think um, so. Well, Depending, part depending th- if you don't get am- am- ammonia. Uh, is it ammonia? Like when you have the to ammonia. do th- the breathing the breathing test the, or the...
0: <sighs> yeah, because we did a lot of breathing.
1: Yeah, so as long as you don't have that, you can go home pretty well, much.
0: part of it too is... It's
1: like the only surgery that, that allows that.
0: That how much... The reason they get you up is because you do have to do... Cir- you have to promote blood circulation. So before they even have you walk, there's someone who comes and kind of moves your legs a little bit. And that circulation is huge because if you... If you're not moving, if it's not circulating, then a clock can happen. And, you know, just all the things adding to what makes this a risky procedure. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful, but there's like any procedure, there's risks that come with it. So the sooner they get you walking, the sooner you can have circulation and all that. Um, I'm a person who's highly motivated by food. I will fully admit it. And so like at least with my first pregnancy, and I'm pretty sure the second time too, they said the sooner you walk after the sooner you get this sandwich. And let me tell you, that first <laughs> real food is so good. Even though your husband might be eating Chipotle right next to you, that turkey sandwich is still the best thing ever after what not an eating. What
1: awful husband. Who would yeah. do that? Three nights in a row with Chipotle. What? Three
0: nights. I couldn't have anything <laughs> spicy. Not that I really wanted anything spicy. I mean, and then on top of that too, so like feeling, there's a certain amount of medicine that they have you do which is great, but you can still kind of feel the edge of it. And, you know, post C-section, you have to have a pillow or something kind of hold down because that first sneeze or first cough. Oh my gosh, that is so terrible. Um, I happened to get a three piece belly binder, was just from Amazon to kind of help with the compression, which, you know, I only recommend having for a couple of weeks in the beginning, but it made a huge difference in offering that extra support. And, you know, there's, there's a recovery what that what happens in kind of the hospital, just anything to support the abs. Cause basically you're just, you feel like, how do I explain it? Like seeing myself in the, you know, after my stomach is deflated, it doesn't instantly go down. There's still, you know, fluids and yeah. bloating. And it was crazy seeing myself one of just like, you know, they cut through a major, major muscle. And, you know, feeling absolutely no support from that. So having that just kind of extra pressure, um, I think a good way to explain it is a less um, aggressive version of a weightlifting belt if you're deadlifting. So imagine you're deadlifting, you have that weightlifting belt that you can kind of push and brace against. It's that same idea. It's just a lot wider and then you can actually breathe through it. So I would have it, you know a couple hours during the day on and off. And then on top of that, they gave me this kind of like breathalyzer thing to work on diaphragmatic breathing. So like a deep belly breathing, um, just cause you know, breath work is huge. And eventually I think it'd be great if we can get, um, Eric, Ch- uh, Eric yeah. Christensen from Chandler PT. He talks all about it, but you know, working on breath work and just, there's so many things to focus on once of like, okay, I, I'm, I have this whole new human who, let me tell you all children are different. But then also working on myself and it it felt like a really long checklist of things to do. And then also you have to be careful what food you introduce in and we're going on walks. And that's just within the hospital where they have a structure. They, Mm -hmm. you know, someone comes in, they check your vitals, they give you your medicine. It's all very much on the dot. And then once you get home, it's k if you, if you do have a partner that's able to stay home or if you're able to have family support that's able to stay a okay, kid, that helps a little bit. But now you're in charge of managing your medicine, which I feel like <laughs> I definitely could have had several more weeks of, you know, a little bit of extra pain medicine because, oh, my gosh, I was in so much pain. And then, okay, I have to remember to breathe. I also need to make sure, like, I am getting around and walking every so often. Oh, how long have I had my brace on? And then I'm just going to straight up say it. I'm going to straight up say it. The first bowel movement after a C section is awful. It is awful. Oh my gosh!
1: Would you say that's? Uh, I know you've never given natural birth, but from what you, from like your clients, from what you've heard, from what you read, I mean, you are certified for all for yeah. during postpartum and prenatal like information. You know, is that is that a common thing? Oh, yeah. After pregnancy. Well, I know for well, a C-section, it makes total sense. What for c
0: C-section, mean? it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I think it's a little a little different, too, because I'm going to throw this out there. It is fairly common for people to have a bowel movement when they're delivering just because that's you're true. you're pushing down on the same exact sense. muscles. Um, you might have a nurse that's nice enough to tell you that you didn't or maybe you didn't. Yeah. Um, I know that's a legit (laughs) fear that some people have, but postpartum, like the first bowel movement was huge. Even um, because when you have a C-section, you're, you have a catheter in, which uh, freaked me out. And I totally forgot about that. But for obvious reasons, you have to have a catheter. And I remember even just having like, you know, the first time peeing, I told you this is unfiltered. The first time peeing was such a weird sensation of like, am I, am I done? Like just be not because it was, Felt full, but everything just felt numb-ish. Yeah. It was either pain or numbing. And even, cool. like, with my pelvis, I don't think I had any real feel. Like, I could poke it, and I wouldn't feel it, but, it, like, the muscle would hurt, if mm-hmm. that made sense.
1: Well, let's talk about how crazy it was. It's the question that they asked the mom, right, right immediately after birth. You know what I'm talking about?
0: What was the first? Do I want to hold the baby? No oh
1: while you're drugged they asked you if you wanted your tube it was it your tubes tied (laughs) uh
0: well they offered me like four times if i wanted my tubes tied um and given so like my background is i do have some some pelvic issues that we're working through i do have some pelvic pain and so there there has been times i've legit considered like maybe i should just get my tubes tied but when you're asking me when i'm on a table if i want to like Trust me, it's a really tempting right now. <laughs> I do know that...
1: But um, I think one thing you told me was just like, why would they ask me that when I'm like super drugged? Because you had no idea what's going on. You I barely, had no you idea. Had, and you even... I, I, I was there for it to vouch. But then like later, you're like, they asked me that?
0: It was so strange. And you're like... <laughs> I do know that they, they mentioned they kind of cleaned up the area a little yeah. bit just because there was...
1: Yeah. But it comes down to like what you said, like for a woman, it is like you know you can say i want these tied and then it's no big deal like you you'd be drugged and say it and oh then,
0: yeah because you had yeah. to give consent yeah, to I my body
1: <laughs> yeah because
0: like, you bought me for eight cows right <laughs>
1: yeah exactly <laughs> but like uh it's that different a joke. For, but it's different for a guy you said like a guy a guy because you have feelings about this so like this is the unfiltered so to say yeah i remember you said like a guy if he's gonna have a vasectomy they're, they like they're like are you sure are you sure are you sure are you sure like let's like review this really quickly let's fill out this form to just double check like it's like this whole process of it of like are you sure but for you said for a woman it's like okay i can be drugged and then say yeah and there are consequences hormonally to having that so i mean share your dank feelings you talk about it all the time like we literally we're we're like walking around we're we're watching a show we're doing something you're always sharing your feelings so i have so yeah, many just feelings start <laughs> i want to hear more i feel like the audience wants to hear more oh
0: gosh some of you probably already heard these opinions when it comes to women's health care it is getting better but oh my gosh there's so much more that needs to be done there's so much more Um, even just the fact of like when it comes to hormones, which I'm going to tread this lightly because I do believe there are some people that use the word hormone as like a buzzword just to get money. Um, When I mean hormones, like your hormones have a huge fluctuation and, you know, we're very quick to just write women off as like, you're crazy, you're nuts, but not like seek the understanding of why of like, you know, say if there is a estrogen dominance, like your body is going to your body is going to be off. You're going to feel mentally foggy. You're going to feel in pain. But if you're just being told you're crazy, like that's not very helpful when it comes to women being in pain, whether it's something to do with your pelvic floor, something to do with the ovaries, the uterus, something. It's just kind of like, oh, that's normal. That's normal. Just get over it. And it's like, no, like this type of pain isn't normal. Say, you know, certain menstrual cycles are not normal. And it almost feels kind of like, We give women the the hush of just, you know, you're just crazy. It's not a big deal. You're written off. And now there's, you know, it's great with social media because I feel like more people are discovering like pelvic floor specialists, physical therapists that work with that, even like OBGYNs of like getting out there and sharing, you know, just because this is common doesn't mean it is normal. But there's still so much progress to be made because I feel like... (laughs) Sorry, this might sound a little bit borderline feminist, but I feel like if a man complains, they get taken a little bit more seriously, maybe get babied a little bit. Even look at the recovery for a vasectomy. It's a little little snip snip. That's it. It's not a big deal. (laughs) Snip snap, you're done. It's in office, out. But you get like a whole week off. (laughs) You get a whole week off of doing nothing just because you got a little snip snap in the nutsack. And... (laughs) like you know i go and i have this whole major surgery and it's kind of like get back to normal we'll use the example of say if you tore your bicep because i swear i meet at least one person a year that tears their bicep what is the recovery process for a bicep it's
1: like nine months
0: nine months and then do you instantly go back to bicep curling 55 pounds no no, you ease into it. You go see a physical therapist. But, you know, if you
1: get... And, e- and, like, and insurance is willing to cover a pretty good chunk mm-hmm. for, for bicep. for bicep Or ca- uh, injuries like that. But they're, they're willing to, to cover a good chunk of physical therapy.
0: For a bicep. Yeah. Which, you know, a bicep is important. But if your core doesn't work...
1: <laughs> for, how much did our insurance cover for you to get a physical therapy after?
0: Nothing. None. Nothing.
1: N- l- 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 luckily... You know, we have amazing connections. We have clientele that, help, that helped us, like, f- work with a proper physical therapist. And
0: and I found, like, a really awesome one in Arizona. We're within the, you know, we're, we're in Gilbert. Um, I discovered Therizona. And, you know, it's mostly women. And the way they went about everything was, like, actually being heard and understood. And it was crazy going to that compared to my first time of, you know, Train or sorry, recovery postpartum, where I felt very alone and very like isolated. Of I guess this is just my new life. My body doesn't feel the same. It doesn't look the same. I feel like things are off. But okay, that's just who I am. Compared to you know going and seeing this physical therapist, which luckily I could find, and
1: they were like they're specialized in female pelvic floor. So because if that, you
0: did not know that there's actual yeah,
1: That was amazing.
0: women that, you know, there's actual yeah. physical therapists yeah. that advocate for pelvic floor that advocate for more than just do Kegels or do crunches until your DR is gone. It's like I said, I have a lot of feelings on this, but even like outside of the physical injury and you know, I would love to talk to someone about this of, you know, trying to find a mental health um, professional trying to find therapy of, you know, I've heard from way too many friends, way too many clients of almost being on this like wait list and then trying to find the right fit of, you know, I feel sad. I barely have time for myself, let alone to, you know, make all these calls to try to find this person that might or might not go through my insurance. You know, I might as well not even try. Yeah. And it's, That's why I have such big feelings because I want to keep advocating for these people of, you know, your life changes. I, you know, I'm not the same person that I was before I had Carter. And, you know, I feel like I'm not really the same person I was before I had Malia. I'm so grateful for them because because of them, I am who I am now. But you don't go through nine months and not shift and change but yeah. it's it's really hard to do that when you have to also on top of it continue to advocate for yourself and really know how to like am I being crazy or is it just I'm not being supported right? That's a hard line to figure out
1: it is and i mean as as your husband it like if if it's hard for you to figure out like for me, it's been extremely difficult. Uh, before moving forward, I just want to give like big outs to Chandler Physical Therapy because they they played a big role in your recovery of movement. So like th- so so Therasona uh, was physical therapy for your pelvic floor. Like they were able to do internal work to just give you a better idea stuff that you know Chandler Physical Therapy does not do because that's not within their scope within mm-hmm. the, what they do. But they were your first uh, physical therapy for getting back into movement, uh, building up your core. They, they, they were able to teach you a lot, uh, things that you, that, and not just teach you, but confirm things that you know. So they taught you, they confirmed, and a lot of what they did to help you get back into better movement and stronger core and break down the scar tissue, you've been able to now take that education and provide it to your clientele
0: absolutely and they're not
1: sponsored i'm just saying like this is a huge shout out to them
0: we're very much you know support local businesses and you know initially i went to them to fix a hip problem i had from cycle and then i found out like i had a gnarly amount of scar tissue break or scar tissue built up from my first um you know not recovering very well and i just thought it was normal and they began to work through it and you know i used to feel all this pain And, and i found out like you know, there's actually a way to make this better, and through better movement, through scar tissue breakdown, and even through breath work, like I mentioned earlier, there's so much that I learned from them. Of uh, you know, as a trainer, if you have the chance to shadow within a physical therapy office, like hundred percent represent, do it, Our represent, hundred percent support that we're very much advocates of. The better that doctors, physical therapists and personal trainers can work together, we can create like the ultimate recovery mm-hmm. because I think recovery is the hardest part. And there's so much mixed information out there. And this gets to the heart of what I really want to discuss of snapback culture can go to hell. I, I want to say so many more harsh words, but I... I'm not gonna say that just in case my grandma's listening. <laughs> I knew
1: you were gonna say your grandma. I was about to say that. My grandma's like one grandma.
0: she's like one of the best humans I've ever met. Uh, I won't say it for her sake, but um snapback culture is is absolute nonsense. And as much as we like to, you know, say that it's getting better, it's still there. It is still there. This idea it's of It's trendy. You know, it's trendy. No matter how you gave birth, you better snap back. Nine months in, nine months out, Mm -hmm. like, oh, you better, you know, look like you don't have a baby, work like you don't have a child, but, you know, be a mom like you don't even work. And there's such an unfair expectation of have this all together, but you're not going to get the support that you need. You know, when you think of the phrase, like it takes a village, you know, sadly, there's a lot of moms that don't have that village whether it's mentally, physically, like they don't have that support like we used to. Maybe the best connection they have is, you know, online. But I remember after having Carter, um, I went on to, was it a Fa- I think it was a Facebook group of moms. And I connected with one. I was so excited to finally make a mom friend. And all she wanted to do was sell me some shitty MLM. And I have a lot of big freaking feelings about MLMs and she's love, part of the reason why. We love
1: m We don't care for MLMs. <laughs>
0: um, she's part of the reason why was because the only reason she wanted me as her friend was to be her downline. Yeah. And when I said, listen, I'm not a place to do oh, She's like, okay, well, we're canceling today. And I was like, how freaking predatory, how freaking heartless. Yeah. Um. I, I
1: mean, you have feelings on that as well, because that's kind of common within you moms. It's like almost, almost like a group that's moms built. Moms lose money. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I do think there are some people, like we, I do have some friends within MLMs and like there's one person, she knows who she is. If there's any doTERRA product that I like, I will go to her directly, but otherwise please do not record report or do not pull me in. I do not care. And like I said, this woman in the past put that bad taste in my mouth, but you know, it's, it is really hard to have that village. It is hard to feel like, you know, I'm supposed to have all these things together. Then you scroll through social media and everyone has these beautifully catered photos. And you're like, that's not my experience. Like, you know, yes, I was able to breastfeed and I cannot express how big of a blessing that was, but I had mastitis. I had clogged milk ducts. I was bleeding from having to pump. And given, I was able to donate five gallons of milk. I was able to donate five gallons of milk.
1: Yeah. Give or take, I think it was even a little more. I think five, Was just what we took to California, but I mean, you you were able to donate a good amount, and it's it was impressive. I was mind blown,
0: and that the the mental load of that of I was literally just either attached to a baby or a pump at some point, where you know it's I am ceasing to be a human, and on top of it, you want me to jump back to exactly the person I was before when I'm not the same person.
1: Uh, with a little bit of breastfeeding, like how was talk a little bit about your mental your mental uh stage where you were at like. During the, mo- the most you 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 were you're breastfeeding and then like getting into you know weaning off the that term weaning off
0: so i should throw out there and like i said i felt like a cow there was a point where i was um pumping probably like s- i was producing 60 ounces a day yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but and so that and that required a lot of feeding and it required a lot you of ate a lot I, I i ate a lot to maintain it um But, you know, is this battle between I'm someone who's very picky about physical touch. So like I will save hugging for people that mean the most to me. So if I offer you a hug, know that like you're a big deal to me. Um, But, you know, between someone who doesn't like physical touch, um, I have a little bit of trauma that I'm working through. And, you know, just feeling so touched out at the end of the day because everyone needed me. And, you know, when the time came of, it's it's time to wean there was this conflicting between like I'm about to lose this connection but also I feel like I'm losing my mind and it's gonna sound so ungrateful because there might be someone listening of like you know I wish that was my problem and if if that is you I'm so sorry that you did not have the experience that you wanted but it's hard on both sides no matter what you say like there's gonna be a group that Is, you know, might feel sad about a C section versus those that were happy they went for it. There's gonna be a group of like, oh my gosh, I feel so frustrated with not being able to breastfeed, or I felt so imprisoned by my breasts at some point. It's, you know, it's as a mom, I'm just gonna put out there, it's hard. It is hard no matter what, but the more we pit against each other and we do this competition of I had it harder, like, is that really gonna make it better? Or can we just acknowledge like this whole mom thing is hard? But we're figuring it out and we're making the best decisions based off of what we have available, what our circumstances are, and most importantly, what our children
1: need. Is there a correlation between uh, breastfeeding quantity, like the amount that you produce, uh, to like snapping back, would you say?
0: I would say, yeah. So there's a lot of factors that go into your production. But, you know, a uh. fact to to know is it takes about 20 calories to produce one ounce. And so the way I set up, you know, the way I ate was I had my basal metabolic rate, which is, you know, what my body burns just by existing. And then I took, okay, how much am I producing times it by 20. And so just straight up, I'm usually careful about giving out numbers, but I got to the point where I was eating like 2,700 calories a day.
1: Closer to three thousand, I think, because it wasn't a, it, you. You once, once after three months of uh, your C-section, true. you were exercising now. So you once I eased back into it, yeah, yeah. One, after three, three and a half months, that you you were actually exercising more common now. Like you had built up, you had done all your recovery, um, but it takes a lot of eating. So you, it you took know, a lot of eating. You know, of like I, know it, I know, of drinking I know, water. I know it's a sensitive topic when you talk about like how much you uh, you produce, because there are people out there, a woman out there that. You know they struggle so much to to produce and it's like oh my gosh this is your problem like my problem is that I can't like how can you complain uh, but one one thing and this is me like I'm the one that gonna if anyone's gonna throw fire throw it at me but this is what I've noticed is that through clients through people that have reached out to you um, through connections that we have like friendships that also had kids around the same time is those that struggled with a with a low production was because they were so afraid to regain weight they ate so little and we're talking about like a thousand calories to like 1200 calories sometimes maybe even less and your your body can't take care of itself and also create nourishments for a baby if you are not consuming enough nourishment so like for a time it'll be able to because you have a storage like your body built a storage during pregnancy whether so whether you think you there's a girl that Oh my gosh, she looks like she didn't gain any weight during her pregnancy. Like it has to. Like it's the law. It's the law of creation. Like there needs to be energy to have energy, and you can't just ma- build energy out of like nothing. Like you want to start a fire, you need to create a spark. You need energy to ma- make energy. So, just basically, it's it's very, very, very common to want to. Go back to that snapback because of how social media is, how you think your husband wants you uh, to look like or, you know, because of uh, your you know, you are going through through some through some hormonal shifts. So that some some of that uh, postpartum depression might make you think like, oh, my gosh, my husband's not going to like me if I'm if I stay at this weight, if I eat too much, if I don't snap back. And it's like, no, like, I mean, talking from from my perspective, like I have I was informed. I was given the information of what you were going to go through postpartum and i understood and it was like you take care of you and you taking care of you meant you uh, you eating a lot so that you can produce a product so you can have a good production and have enough energy to do the exercise that you want
0: and that really comes back down to education of are you you know are you eating enough are you drinking enough um, where your stress level is at um, whether you have access to be able to pump during the day because say if You know, I was able to stay at home, but, you know, I had one client who she works within um, a hospital to where it's like, okay, well, sometimes there's a mother's room available. Sometimes someone randomly decides to go in there and take a nap or it's okay if you're only able to pump once or twice during your shift, you know, I might have been able to pump two, three times just because I was able to have that accessibility so much more than a working mom. Yeah. And so I think when it comes to eating enough calories, it really comes down to I think there's a certain potential. There's a certain potential in which you're able to be able to breastfeed and that's why there's formula. You guys stop demonizing formula. Stop guilting moms if they choose or they need to use formula. If you have an issue straight up, I'm a formula fed baby. I seem like I'm fine. Same. Like stop, stop making people feel bad about formula. I'm so done with it. But when it comes to, you know, being able to maintain a supply, it's giving yourself the best chance is trying to eat enough and trying to drink enough. And, you know, I think that goes back to previous diet culture of women are being told to eat as little as possible and it's not seeing food as energy viewed as fuel. And when, you know, if you're not eating enough, think of it as your body goes into survivor mode. And I know people think of survivor mode as, oh, I'm going to get skinny. I'm going to lose weight. Really, it's just your body's going to think of, okay, what systems do we actually need? What is the most important? Is your body going to choose you properly breathing or breastfeeding? Like, what is a system that can go? What's yeah. a system that can go without? And it's if you're not eating enough or even worse if you're a trainer and you decide to put your client on a 1000 calorie diet you are doing them a disservice and that's an important thing to consider of like when i am training postpartum moms asking them are you planning on breastfeeding is that something you want to do and treading that really lightly because you know i have one client who right now we're working on getting her supply back up and you know i kind of just assume the reason that she pumped was you know busyness she has a lot going on and really is she wanted to breastfeed but she wasn't able to like pumping it was her best chance and there's there's a lot of big feelings when it comes around it and it's partially due to you know the expectations we have on from society expectations we have on ourselves and it's finding that grace because I know for a fact like the words we say to ourselves as mom there's no way I'd say that to someone else like the the words that come in between my own ears, oh my gosh, they can be so horrible. But I think we just need to start giving ourselves the grace that we give other people. And that comes to like, you know, forget snapback culture, screw snapback culture. Let's bring out recovery. Actually freaking recovering, letting your core become strong again. Letting your mind become strong again and finding who you are. And knowing that you're a little bit different, but that's okay.
1: So we have about like ten more minutes um, before we have things to do. But I want to hear about your, like that recovery. Like this is a huge part of like a, of this topic, and it's how the process of recovery should be. You've mentioned a few things, but um, what else do you think should be involved in recovery? And and what advice would you be would you give to the mom that's listening to this, or maybe the the husband that's listening to this to be able to support their wife. Like
0: I think one is hopefully finding where you do have that support. And there's, you know, there's a lot of people that I can thank for that. Obviously like you, your sister, my mom, my grandma, who is a literal saint. She's if they she's going to go straight to heaven. I have no doubt about that. But also like my other fellow mom friends of the ones that kept me sane, That I knew I could go to and we could just talk. Because sometimes like I don't need a solution. I just need a listener. And that was even a term that (laughs) we started using of like. I'm so
1: bad with that.
0: Do you need someone to listen or do you want a solution? And you only want to give solutions. But that was something we had to figure out of like, okay, how can we better communicate? So like finding that support system and leaning on them, Mm -hmm. trusting them. Um, I love what you said I think as outside people if you know someone in your life that's a mom or about to become a mom of having that awareness of you know these are things that can happen of having that pressure having that depression and it's not like you have to go in there and you know solve everything you don't need to go clean their kitchen but even just saying like hey I'm I'm here for you I'm Mm -hmm. praying for you you're doing a lot better than you think you're doing I think that's huge and then when it comes to recovery like I will say, I'm almost, I think I'm 18 months now, Mm -hmm. 18 months post farm. I feel like I'm still recovering. And you might hear that and be disheartened, but it's, you know, recovery is more than just getting skinny again. Recovery is more than just fitting a certain aesthetic. There's, you know, parts of my brain that I feel like I still need to recover mentally from it. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of like having, you know, I would love to have twins next pregnancy, (laughs) but also like I still have a lot of fear when it comes to opening that door and, you know, going through the process of another C section, which, you know, f- only can have one, so don't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, only can have one more. And then it's how, sorry.
1: I wanna say how did you feel about how do you feel that the, the listeners that are they're hearing that know you and they're seeing you currently like bench uh one thirty five and deadlift two twenty and they're like, What do you mean you're still recovering? You're, you're killing it. You're teaching cycle three to four times a week. How do you – like, how do you – how are you re- – Not you don't have to go into details because obviously no, okay. I'm, I'm your husband and I know exactly how you're recovering, but how can you let him know, like, you are still recovering? What are some things that they need to look at? Because there could be just, there could be a mom that is around 18, 8, 8, 18 months postpartum. I mean, we have a lot of friends, like my best friend Luis and his wife. Like, his wife had a baby exactly um, a month after us. And she's pregnant again (laughs) about there, but they're, 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 I think a few, a few months in, you know, congratulations to them. Uh, They just announced it. So I'm able to say it on here, (laughs) but like, you know, like, how are you like how, you know what I'm saying? I think it's important
0: (laughs) to put out there. It is important to say that fitness is more than just aesthetic Mm -hmm. when it comes to health and wellness. It's not just what you look like. It is what you feel like physically and mentally. And, you know, there's there's what I post online and every so often I'll put a vulnerability thing and then there's what happens behind closed doors because, you know, people don't see that I still struggle with, you know, I still struggle with my pelvis. Even like today, this morning, um, I'm going through a ton of ovulation pain and I'm supposed to be teaching a cycle class in an hour and I'm like, shoot, how am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. I have an adaptation in place. Um, When it comes to my mental health, we, um, I recently just got a blood panel done just because like my periods are absolutely awful, which is common. Your periods can change postpartum or how you gave birth. Um, But I just got that blood panel done and saw that, you know, I have an estrogen dominance. My progesterone is super low. My testosterone is super low. My human growth hormone is super high. And it's like, okay, you look at all these things and I look like i'm fully recovered
1: oh yeah you look super fit i you know and I, you've worked i've worked really it. hard you've i've worked, worked really hard you've it's, worked so hard but hours and hours a week
0: just because i hit a certain aesthetic doesn't mean that all my problems were solved mm-hmm. and it's not that i'm currently seeking a certain aesthetic at this point i still want to be strong but it's there's so much more of like okay now i have to figure out how do i balance out my hormones you know, within the time that I'm given, how do I, you know, better manage my stress and my mental health? And it's, you know, we need to start seeing fitness as more than aesthetic. And that's really what this podcast comes down to and why, you know, the idea of strength beyond fitness was inspired of, you know, strength can come in many forms. Strength can be physically lifting something heavy. It could be emotionally carrying something heavy, but it's, you know, finding a new strong, the type of strong I used to be compared to the type of strong I am. Those are two different people. But to the mom out there listening, feeling like you don't know who you are anymore, or you don't recognize your body in the mirror, and maybe it's really hard to look at yourself. I want to challenge you to think of like, what is your current strong? Because trust me, there are so many more ways that you carry strength than you even realize. And if you're not really sure, go look at that cute baby. No matter what that age is, go look at that cute baby. Because that right there takes so much strength. I have so much more respect for my mom and my grandma than, than I ever knew was capable of. Even like, you know, my unofficial mama's number two and, you know, all of those mama figures I had in my life. It's if you're struggling with where you're at, focus on your strength. And strength doesn't just have to be a certain look. It doesn't have to be a certain weight. It's find your strength and really hold on to that. Start to see the good positive qualities that you have and know that you're worth investing in and that it's going to take time. Great things take time and spoiler, you are that great thing. You don't have to instantly jump back into a certain body aesthetic. There's no award that you get if you jump back, but you know what? The reward of actually recovering and feeling good and being able to be present means so much more. And I highly doubt you would put those expectations on your own kid. Why would you do that to yourself? And I think it really comes down to this journey of recovery requires love yeah. and knowing that you deserve that same love
1: i I absolutely love everything that you have said. I think that's a this is a great place to to leave off. I want v- one thing is just pretty much vouch for you and I know you don't need vouching, but like um. Every, a lot of people believe, like, because you were thin before pregnancy, you just magically became thin again. And um, your process this time, like, you were more patient than the first time you, you had a baby, you, but you still had the eager, eagerness to get back into lifting and moving. So you followed your recovery stages really well through the guidance of physical therapy. And then you pushed a little bit beyond that because we all need to push in order to grow. But like you've worked out and watched your 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 nutrition for both breastfeeding and then your own personal goals, like in more than like I was taking care of my health during that time. Like I was taking care of our roof over our head, and I was taking care of like being the the, the best form of emotional support that I can be, where like I struggle beyond emotions. Um, and supporting those but like you were taking care of it and you put in the work there were many many like early mornings that you you talk about the mom hour for you the mom hour was like the three the 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 4 a.m where that we had the baby sleep and you were able to do something whether it was breathe whether it was glute bridges whether it was a little bit form of cycling uh like you did it and you put in the work and um if we hear so much like oh it's genetics it's genetics like We can look at your genetic line and really prove like it is not genetic. You want to know what's
0: genetic is my stubbornness. (laughs) Yes. Thanks, mom and dad.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, just incredible. I think if you uh, if you can leave off this with with one last little message uh, to all the milfs listening out there, because there's so mamas, so many mamas into lifting and fitness What would be the last little nugget that you'd leave them with.
0: Motherhood is a beautiful role. It is a beautiful title, but it's okay to step out of that role and it's okay to step out of that title. And it is really hard to do. It may take practice. It may take reminders, but you may discover someone even more amazing and strong than you ever imagined. But it's, you don't need to feel guilty being more than a mom. Love it. So thank you guys listening so much today. I got to hear all of all of my sauce. Um, I do and think this is <laughs> and Luis's passion. Um, I think this is probably going to be a topic that we'll continue to talk about throughout different yeah. perspectives. But um, thank you guys so much for joining today. I do highly encourage to share this with, you know, the moms, the dads, the tias, the uncles and then i'm going to be shameless i'm going to throw this out there like i do have programming when it comes to postpartum training yeah. um easing into it whether you had a c section or maybe were less active during your pregnancy um and then the next stages throughout so if you do have any questions i am on instagram all of our information is already on there you might already be following me yeah. but reach out ask a question we can set up a time to talk but like i'm rooting for you I I might not know you, but if you're a mom trying to be better, trust me, I'm rooting for you.
1: She is rooting for you. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Cheers.
0: Stay golden.